Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. Brand new episode with a guest. And it's a great guest today that we have. We have Tori Smith. She is an improviser, a writer, a cosplayer. She's dope. She's also an actress. And we talk about her comedy life, her acting life, and her cosplay life. Let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Tori Smith. You have lived in New York for 11 years, right? 10, going on 11. Oh, okay, nice. So you moved from California, correct? Louisiana, so another warm place. (laughs) I don't know why I thought California. What brought you here from Louisiana? I wanted to do musical theater, and so right out of high school, I was like, well, let's go, and came straight to New York to do musical theater school and have not really left since, so. (laughs) (laughs) So you were a high schooler already interested in performing, already doing performances, and so you went off to college to do it, and that college just happened to be in New York City. Yes, I applied to a couple other places, but if you're going to do musical theater, uh, New York's kind of like the place you want to be to to do that. It just made the most sense to just go straight to the source. But yeah, I was a Mm -hmm. big theater kid in high school. I was like, well, let's keep this weird energy going um, (laughs) into adulthood. (laughs) When did comedy become a part? Were you interested in improv when you moved here? Because I know that you studied it all of the big improv theaters, you trained at UCB and at the Pit and at Magnet. Was that something that you came here interested in? Yes, um, I was always interested in it because even in high school, I was usually playing like the comedic relief roles and would stay up late to watch Whose Line Is It Anyway. I was like, that seems like a fun thing to do. And then I got into my musical theater program here and one of the advisors was like, you know, you should look into uh, musical improv, the magnet specifically. Um, I was like, all right, bet. And so I immediately went and signed up for classes. (laughs) Um, And I think I've been doing improv now so if I graduated, yeah, eight years. Um, I started when I was was a wee twenty year old. I couldn't even go out to the bars uh, with my classmate <laughs> at the time. So yeah, it was a very natural progression. But I specifically yeah. started because I wanted to do musical improv. Oh, okay. And yeah. you are on a musical improv team at the Magnet. You're on Jim, mm-hmm. and you've been killing it. Uh, and thanks. obviously, your focus is musical related things and you're on a couple of other musical improv teams like a couple of indie teams that are musical improv yeah so i am currently on a gem the house team that we mentioned and that's probably the most active right now and then my other team is freeze frame the musically improvised sitcom episode right title really rolls <laughs> off the tongue <laughs> but uh yeah we do you know sitcoms i wish they still did this they don't do them as often as they used to but sitcoms used to have like a special musical episode right um so we do those for made-up sitcoms and it's okay that was so one trophy. thing i was wondering I wasn't sure if it was, uh, we're going to do it in the style of Buffy, but it's all made up stuff. Yeah, all made up. So we'll okay. get the the suggestion of a sitcom that's never existed and ah. then make genre choices. So like we've done one that's like a hospital sitcom, you know, very Scrubs-esque. I think yeah. we've done something Buffy-like before. I'm um, sure, I'm sure. You had so to. Yeah, just playing around with those <laughs> tropes. Yeah, you can't do a musical episode and not right. reference Buffy at some point. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely the scene for it. <laughs> it was going to a, a musical improv show that is sitcom-based. They're going to want some Buffy. A little dash of Buffy. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say, I love the Scrubs reference though, because that was that was my show when it was on, and I was just thinking about their musical 
episode because there are certain shows that I felt there was a natural way of doing it. Like Buffy didn't need to explain why they were doing a musical episode, but most other shows had some sort of explanation that didn't necessarily fit the genre of the sitcom. But Scrubs did such a great job fitting it because they were like, well, here's an actual medical condition. (laughs) And we're just going to give some character that so we can (laughs) do this episode. And it worked. It worked Mm -hmm. real well. I love that (laughs) musical episode. Um, It's probably my top musical sitcom episodes of all time. The Scrubs one. Same. Same, but I'm biased to the show because it's my favorite sitcom. It's also a very solid show. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so w- with comedy, is what is your sort of brand? I mean, obviously, musical is a thing that you love to incorporate with your comedy, but is there a certain kind of comedy that you prefer? Or, you know, are you more Ooh. of a physical comedian? Or, or what would you say? I guess my personal style, I feel like this gets brought up in improv a lot, right? Love the types of players. You've got like the ninja player, you've got the your, pirate. Your pirate and the robot, I robot. guess is the third one. <laughs> yeah. um, my style is definitely more towards the ninja side of things. Ah. I really like playing support and then jumping in with like, here's a zinger and then I'll let you guys continue. <laughs> um, and so I, I like supporting my my fellow improvisers. As far as like, I don't know if, I, if we're thinking more scripted things, I really like action films and, and th- those sorts of things that incorporate comedy into them or just are really specific about their genre. I, I love a genre piece. It's like, yeah, we know we're a dumb action movie. We're really going to lean into that. And that's <laughs> what makes this fun. Right. So that I like, I try to gear more towards that kind of stuff. Oh, fun. Okay. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, the other thing here is that, or, or a couple of other things is that you're a, a cosplay artist and a video game designer yes. and writer <laughs> So all of these things are making sense, given what you just said about your brand of humor and, you know, you're you're referencing action comedies that are really leaning into the fact that they're a dumb action movie Uh, that that really all works well together. When did you start getting into cosplay? So I, when did I start getting into cosplay? I started going to New York Comic Con. That was the first convention I really went to like five years ago. And it was the only one I would go to. I would go for a day because I loved Halloween and then Halloween wasn't enough. I wanted to dress up more. So I started going to these conventions and almost every cosplayer will give me that exact same answer. They're like, I love Halloween and I want to dress up more. So we're going to create these occasions for ourselves. Um, and then I think 20 New York Comic Con 2019, a friend of mine, Savannah, who usually goes to those with me, the day after the convention, we called each other and we we're like, hey, do you want to go to this convention out of town in February? Because we want to go to more of these. And I think in 20, yeah, so 2019, I went to three conventions, no, four conventions. And I think I turned out like, 11 new cosplays that year which is insane please don't do that but (laughs) (laughs) it's got to get expensive it can be there's there's ways to like work around it and and like thrift things and reuse things from your own closet depends on the build i'm fortunate enough to have uh, a a nice enough little following that will like donate to a ko-fi to help cover some of the material costs for bigger builds which is nice and then i sometimes do commissions as well to help cover those costs but yeah it's not a it's not a cheap hobby by any means (laughs) but what hobby is you know i always that's true because I always kind of hate when people say like, oh, you're paying to do comedy, you improviser, you know, like you're paying so much for it. It's like, yeah, I bought a guitar. It was hundreds of dollars and I'm going to buy gear for the rest of my life mm-hmm. if I keep at it. That's a lot of money. Yep. <laughs> That's not a cheap hobby. Same yeah. with painting, you know, mm-hmm. like the stuff is expensive. So I, mm-hmm. I never like it when people complain about improv as being, oh, it was just your hobby, you paying for dual. Yeah, yeah. So was that basketball rec league. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're paying a lot of money to do that. Pretty much. <laughs> Can we just have fun? Isn't that normal to have fun and pay for that? Mm-hmm. 
I'm I'm totally with you. <laughs> it makes it makes my brain feel nice, so I'm gonna keep doing it. <laughs> right, right. I mean, we we're, everyone's talking about self care, but then they, you can't criticize paying for things that are good self care. You know, mm -hmm. and hobbies. That's a good form of self care. Heck yeah, absolutely. So cosplay, and I've seen a lot of it because I follow you on Instagram. Such incredible stuff. Thank that you. you've done and I've even I even I think messaged you once a suggestion of one because I was watching Invincible I think it was oh uh -huh. or maybe it was something else and there was a character in it and I was like that looks like Tori Smith <laughs> <laughs> I love it when when people roll in with suggestions it's like I got a I got a long roster but I'll add it to it it's not a problem <laughs> Oh, my cosplay to-do list is like ridiculous. It's like how oh, wow. how much do we really want to like actually do some of these? <laughs> how how long is that list? I mean, I, I if we really wanted to go through it, I could probably name like ten things that I wanted to do. the The next thing on my on my list that I've been working on on and off for a year, and I need to just finish is the Mandalorian. Um, Ooh, yeah. I, yeah, I love him. And so I want to dress up as him. That's that's how I kind of determined who I dress up as. It's like, oh, do I have a crush on this character or do I want to be this character? And so um, that's how I translate that love. Um, so I've got a bunch of the pieces lying around and I just need to buckle down and finish it. He's like 70% done. Um, oh, okay, cool. So. That would be a good one. That'd be a lot yeah. of fun. And, Good for like uh, the cold weather. Yeah. God, I would die mm -hmm. in the summertime. <laughs> Can you reveal what your approach to the Baby Yoda will be? Are you going to uh, get a Baby Yoda plush or I just, use your I dog? I just bought a Baby Yoda. Um, okay. I found one at a Kroger like six months ago. I was like, we're getting this little guy. He's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Justina got one. Addis, mm. <laughs> though, I mentioned that you are a game designer. You studied at Tisch. Yeah, so I'm currently studying at NYU Tisch, their game design program, getting my master's there. I am almost halfway through. I've got another year left. And it's it's really fun. It's really busy, but I'm learning a lot. And yeah, it's I, I've always wanted to like do video games. I, I wanted to get into it more from the voice acting side originally. I was like, oh, how cool would it be? Like being a video game. Yeah, it would. And then I was like, well, how cool would it be if I just made the video game and then put myself in it? So I just like took it to the next level. But yeah, all of my previous like comedy cosplay skills just in being a general nerd, it's like, oh, I'm uniquely qualified <laughs> to do this job. <laughs> so yeah, but it's it's a really cool program. I highly recommend it. It's That's awesome. Yeah. Do you hope that one day you can create a game that incorporates improv? Is that? Well, you know, it's funny that you say that. So, uh, yes, <laughs> one of my assignments right now is writing an RPG zine. So mm -hmm. it's like a little short. It can be lots of things. It can be a one shot or mm -hmm. like an equipment list, all kinds of stuff for various RPG systems out there. So I'm writing one that is based off, it's a Monster Hearts module. So if you don't know what Monster Hearts is, it's basically you play as uh, supernatural high school students and you flirt with each other. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a little different than D&D, &D, although D&D &D is still very flirt heavy. <laughs> but uh, so I'm writing a one shot module where you play as high school theater kids. And so I'm trying to or incorporate musical improv into that and see if it's possible. Oh, wow. So it's like a fun experimental tabletop RPG that we'll we'll see if it works i gotta i've yet to play test it but i'm excited about the concept so yeah i there there has to be a way for this to exist in our world i mean i, I think it would be really cool if if improv and video games could meld somehow mm -hmm. and yeah i mean i don't necessarily know how to make that work i'm i'm playing rdr2 right now so i'm kind of like mm -hmm. How could that play in a game like that, <laughs> like improv or yeah. musical improv? Yeah, that's a good thought. I haven't, I guess I don't play a whole lot of multiplayer video games. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more of the single player story heavy RPG type person, mm -hmm. but I could see improv maybe working in a multiplayer 
venue. Like one of my favorite things to see is people using a video game and you see it a lot more in multiplayer. They'll use a video game engine and their their multiplayer and then use it for something totally not intended by the designers. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we know you've made this really violent thing, but actually we're just going to uh, walk around and play dress up if that's cool. <laughs> I know, right? I spend so yeah. much time <laughs> dressing a character or <laughs> or fishing or just riding yeah. around and like yeah. terrorizing this one household, you know? <laughs> like, yep. And then it's like, like, oh, I've created reloading. a very specific story <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with this one NPC. <laughs> That's just me. One of my favorite. So in, in my game design program, I have become known as uh, the horse girl, which is fine. I've uh, welcomed the moniker with pride because horses and games are like very interesting to me. But one of my favorite examples of like using this game engine for something that was not intended is in Red Dead Online. There are cohorts of horse girls that will gather will posse up and then just go trail riding together like super slowly and just enjoy the atmosphere and talk about their horses that they've collected it's like what a what a fun like feminine like leisurely way to use a pretty violent masculine game yeah it's like i love this you love to see it <laughs> what like billy mentioned you on on his episode that you he, i think he said uh it, written like a dissertation or did did some kind of <laughs> I did. project on horses in <laughs> video games I did so last semester they we, for our midterm we had to write a manifesto which is kind of interesting I'd never written one before usually it's research papers so a manifesto anyone who's not familiar is you kind of give like some tenets about a specific subject like oh, oh if you want to be a communist. Here's what you've got to do, right? I think that's the most famous one, the Communist Manifesto. So I jokingly said, oh, I could write a manifesto about horses <laughs> and video games if I wanted to. And then a couple of my classmates were like, do it. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. I, you've, you've challenged me to take this bit as far as it will go. Uh, challenge accepted. And so I wrote like 3000 words about how to make good, not just horses. I expanded it to mounts. So like cars, spaceships and things like that, but mm -hmm. mostly horses, let's be real. Mm -hmm. Like how to make good mounts in a video game. So we've loving, lovingly called it the horse manifesto and it's uh, been cycled around my classmates a little bit. And now they'll bring me games and be like here's here's chess is chess a horse game and i'll be like only if you're riding the horse um. <laughs> okay that's very funny and very cool yeah um and i got an a so hey. thanks nyu <laughs> yeah and it worked out worked out but going back to the improv thought in yeah. video games there's with the technology you know you have an alexa or your phone that you can talk to there's got to be a way to incorporate that with a video game where like, because you already, if you're doing online, you already have a hookup to where you have a mic and can talk to someone else. So, you know, mm -hmm. they, they have to find a way to yeah. incorporate being able to talk to the game. And the game oh, like reacts. improvise with the game. Right. Uh, there is a game called, if that's something you're interested in, there's a game called Facade. Because I did a project about this like interactive narrative a year and a half ago. I'm sort of research into it. And the short answer is the the reason that that doesn't exist yet is that the technology is not there. The right. AI does not exist to have like a Westworld-esque conversation with a human. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll get there. It'll be scary when we do, but I'm excited about it anyways. But there's a game called Facade that is heavily referenced in mm. like improvising with video games where you can type pretty much anything into the field and you're interacting with a husband and wife and those the AI of those characters will do their best to have a reaction to whatever you've typed um, into the thing. So the, the premise is they're having an argument so you can like... I've seen a lot of playthroughs where people start like hitting on either partner <laughs> and they get really upset. So that that's a good game to reference for, for that, that sort of thing. But yeah, short answer, AI is not there yet. I think people are working on it. I'm not the person to work on AI, but I'll happily yeah. play with it and break it. There's you know? just gotta be a way that it can happen <laughs> soon. 
I need mm -hmm. this now. No, I mean, I definitely <laughs> think a, in a Westworld sort of way, it's not, we're, there's just, AI is not there. But also video game yeah. consoles are not quite there yet to even receive something that they are using in the game, uh, your audio, uh, and mm -hmm. let that affect the game. But even if it's just sort of, you get choices and then you can do something random uh, and it can just sort of figure mm -hmm. out a choice. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, and react to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, flu a fluid reaction to <laughs> ran random stuff. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting subject that, I could talk about ad nauseum because <laughs> I I think like the interactive story field is really interesting because you you look mm -hmm. at like big interactive stories like oh there was the Detroit Become Human was I think the last big one where it's like oh yeah you have all these choices and there's all these outcomes and it's the the biggest choice tree ever and it's like <laughs> okay but but you do but the player is actually kind of robbed out of the full spectrum of choices because you only have i don't know maybe four tops um i haven't played it i've only watched people play through it but that's my understanding of it and that that's true of most games it's like oh they're pitched as interactive stories but they're not actually interactive because you can't do anything that you want to do but that's mm -hmm. just again cuz the tech isn't there yeah it's a fun subject <laughs> yeah it's interesting it's interesting yeah. well I think it can happen. I think it can happen by the next yeah. console. I can. I I believe in the nerds. I think we can uh, make it. Five so. ten years, they can figure this out. <laughs> Whoever does is going to be obscenely rich. Um, and ex I'm very excited for that. <laughs> is there a particular console you like to use? Or you typically use computer for video games. I like PlayStation. I'm still trying to get my hands on a PlayStation 5. It's been a saga. I know. Uh, it's so a hard. couple years, it seems. Yeah, so I've, I've been following a Twitter bot that lets me know when they go on sale for over a year, and I just haven't. Either I, I'm in class and I miss it, or I've had one in my cart and then it glitched out at the last yeah. second. That was so demoralizing. But PlayStation is my go-to console, so PlayStation 4 right now. And yeah, then, that's what I got. Uh, yeah, she she does a good job. You know, she tries you know, hard. Yeah, I, I got it. Lately. <laughs> I got the PlayStation 4 super late. I got it during the pandemic, mm. uh, a few months before PlayStation 5 came out. Because typically, I wait until the first wave has at least gone by, because there are always yeah. bugs in the first wave. Yeah. And then I also wait until the price drops. Smart. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing against my own will, essentially. It's like a... You just... Uh, that I should just say that's my strategy instead of me just being unsuccessful. <laughs> I wonder if they will ever catch up to the demand. Like, like will there ever be a PlayStation 5 on a shelf? But I also somewhat wonder if people are using bots to buy them so that they can resell them. Because I get an alert from GameStop saying that the PS5 console is in stock. And I can see that when the email comes in and then mm -hmm. I can go <laughs> right. This has happened where I would just happen to be on emails like, oh, new email. Oh, it's GameStop. And I click on the thing and the game, the, the game's already sold out. Yeah, it sounds like crazy. It's it's a similar thing with I was thinking about building a gaming PC so that I could switch things more over to there. And the issue with that is the GPUs, the graphics cards are so expensive right now because people mm. are using them to farm cryptocurrency so oh uh, wow yeah so like there's videos of people with like uh, so many gpus like like running in in a room to farm cryptocurrency and i'm like oh crypto keeping me from playing my my cozy games on a really nice computer <laughs> <laughs> dang i didn't yeah. realize that people were doing that so mm -hmm. Why isn't I? There's just so much I don't understand. I I'm not That's a game same. designer. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know how to code. Why would a video card like why would that be used with cryptocurrency like mining not, cryptocurrency? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how 
mining cryptocurrency works. I know men in white and blue checkered shirts have tried to explain a cryptocurrency to me before. <laughs> and I'm just like, give up. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't pick up line. Right. It's like, hey, you want to know how cryptocurrency <laughs> works? Like immediately walk away. Um, but I, I'm not entirely sure how it works. And I, I might be getting it wrong i just know that graphics cards are really hard to come by and like the rule of thumb right now is even if you see a used graphics card right now you're really not supposed to buy it because they've they've basically been almost used to death and so it's not going to last that long so you got to oh, buy wow. them new yeah so i i don't understand how the machinery works for for me crafting so much is like yeah i could tell you how to build armor out of floor mats no problem but if you ask me like how computers work i would have to do a lot of googling which i think is true for a lot of game designers so i don't feel too bad <laughs> about mm -hmm. it i'm not huge on the programming coding side of things anyways so you don't have to be a big programmer to design games if that makes anyone feel better <laughs> oh okay okay yeah. maybe one day i will Take a class at Tish and learn to create an improvised video game. <laughs> I'm, I'm stuck on it. Pitch it. Pitch it as your thesis. <laughs> what is next for you? Because you've added so much over the years and you haven't dropped anything. That's one of the things oh. that's cool. It's like you're <laughs> you're doing musical improv. You've added cosplay after starting that. You're still acting, you're still writing, you're still doing all these things, which I think is super cool. Thank you. Is there anything next that you're gonna add to it, to the list? Uh, I mean, if I, it's times like this that you wish you had like a time turner, right? It's like if only there were more hours in the day. I mean, once I graduate, we'll kind of see where I go from there because I would like a job, which would be great, right? <laughs> so I, other than that, like getting a job somewhere, hopefully in New York, but maybe other places in the world, we'll see what happens. But I have no intention of like slowing down on any of the things that I've I've grown to love and adore. Right. And it sounds like the things that you've always been passionate about, you just followed more and, and deeper. It wasn't that some new random thing came up. You were kind of always interested in the things that you're doing. Yeah, it's it's been cool to see how I can channel previous experience and previous interests into the new things like the video mm -hmm. games like i think back my, my sister asked me this the other day i had family visiting in town she's like oh you know 10 years ago you're a video game designer now you're in school for video game design 10 years ago you were doing musical theater if 10 years ago would you have would thinking now would you have changed would you have not done that and just gone into video game design and there's a lot of it's a hard question to answer because 10 years ago video game design like it's not was not really a thing where would i have gone for that i would have had to go into computer science and then figured it out from there right. uh, but i also wouldn't have all these interests if i hadn't done that so i was like probably hmm. not i probably would not have changed anything right the world was so different but yeah it's been it's been like an interesting 10-year journey of like the 10 years of my adulthood be like yep we're gonna start funneling things into this really focused <laughs> uh nerdy <laughs> career path <laughs> <laughs> well it's awesome i think i think it's really yeah. cool and and in, i think encouraging to other people well, thanks. You know, like <laughs> yeah for sure i mean to keep going through and forward with your passions and, and yeah. trying new things with it yeah just resilience i guess and like figuring it out because uh right. i mean if, if do, do you do i know you do improv but do you do like acting and writing and stuff like that as well to some degree i yes acting and i i want to get back into writing i feel like mm -hmm. recently i felt those juices sort of percolating again so mm -hmm. i think i'm gonna start trying to write again I, I just recent inspiration i actually before i did comedy i was doing more writing mm -hmm. and you know not necessarily humor pieces but would write about whatever in a humorous way mm. and that got a good response so i wanted to write more and actually got a comedy book just because it was hard to 15 or so years ago there weren't all the books that exist now about yeah. structure and how to write 
And there wasn't online either. So the only thing I could find was a book called Truth and, not Truth and Comedy, uh, The Comedy Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's a stand-up who is just trying to say, like, here are the, here's the structure of comedy in general. But it didn't really, like, encourage writing blogs or, you know, humor pieces. It was more stand-up. Right. And it suggested that. And that's how I got into comedy was because I wanted to write more. (laughs) But ironically, I ended up just writing more stand-up and then doing Uh improv and stand-up. And then moving here and and just mostly doing improv. But I'd like to write more Mm -hmm. and have been able to read more about writing and uh, and how to how to punch up your writing and and put out a good piece. So I'd like to do that. I don't know how to necessarily use it in this day and age because it I don't know. There's so many venues for it. So many venues. So (laughs) so many venues. And there's so much like pressure for like that whatever thing to be quote unquote successful it's like no just put out whatever you wanted i i felt that way a lot i i got that way i do a lot of like tiktok i think it's a really interesting yeah your tiktok's great thank you i was really pushing towards like having more curated stuff and like Mm -hmm. oh we're gonna have like a nice lighting setup and not really scripted stuff, but like very polished things. And then I took a couple of months off and came back. I was like, we're just going to post whatever chaos comes into my brain and be a little looser <laughs> about this. And it's been so much more fun of like, yeah, this one totally flopped. Uh, only 200 people saw it, but I think it's funny. So <laughs> I'm going to leave it up there and it'll be fine. It seems so like having... a healthy approach. I, I think yeah. a lot of people do either they go in the direction of this has to be big. And so they like put a lot of pressure on it and then they burn out and they never, they stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Or it's uh, Oh, this isn't big. Let me delete it. You know? And, and I don't know, that gets mm-hmm. kind of strange. So it's good yeah. that you're just like, I know what I think is funny and I just want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, if if I'm having like a, a a chaotic evening and and I I turned my camera on, I was like, we're just gonna we're gonna see if anything comes from it because I definitely have those nights. It's like, oh, we're in a silly, goofy mood. Let's see what weird TikTok content we can come up with. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm. I have the right. I don't know what it is about me, but I feel like my TikTok ideas are few and far between, and they're probably <laughs> not great for TikTok even mm. like they're just silly energy or <laughs> I don't I guess it's like <laughs> I feel like with TikTok it has to the visual is almost just as important as what it is you're saying and I mm. I guess I want to focus more on what it is I'm saying mm-hmm. and, I, sure. and I don't I don't know if TikTok is the venue for that but what is the venue for that I don't know yeah gotta gotta make your own platform i guess <laughs> that's the answer so i've gotta i've gotta get into game design so i can create this <laughs> improv video game and i've gotta make my own platform that's <laughs> visual but still mostly verbal yeah so actually i've changed my mind you do have a lot of programming needs in your future uh- <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about you mentioned you know the pressure that that people can feel about putting out stuff putting out Mm -hmm. content or or making things let's talk about that because so many people at the beginning of the pandemic because they they, uh, people in our world our our improv and comedy world they wanted to put stuff out they couldn't do anything and they still Mm -hmm. had those creative juices flowing so they went to online and they maybe created a, a podcast or wanted to do an online sketch show. There were so many online comedy shows in the first six months of the pandemic that were not, that did not exist by the end of a year into the pandemic. And I'm sure there are a million different reasons as to why, but I think some of it does have to do with maybe the pressure that we feel or maybe even put on ourselves to do this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I I participated in a lot of those. I helped tech a lot of those. And I think, you know, six months in, 
to the pandemic, the novelty of that had mm. had worn off, right? No mm -hmm. one wanted to, like maybe people enjoyed performing in them and I'll still occasionally perform in them. I, I think I performed regularly in them and tech them for the whole time, but people stopped showing up to watch them. And then it sort of started to have that feeling of like, oh, we're performing in the empty basement of the pit now to mm -hmm. the, the team that's opening for us. So it became more like you're performing for yourselves, which while still fun is not as satisfying, right? So right. I think that is a big reason for it. And then, yeah, when, when we got even the littlest taste of freedom and going back outside. I think uh, yeah. and performing in, in public, I think people really jumped at it. It's like, yes, 100%. This is a fun, interesting era of comedy that was short-lived and maybe it'll make it in a history book someday, but it's, let's get back out there. So when I was teching it and stuff, I, I very much went into it of like, this is not going to be... Like even when the pandemic is over, if the pandemic is ever over, right. this is yeah. not going to be. This is not going to be a, a long-lasting, sustainable thing. It's just fun for now. That's a very good point. That there was a sort of novelty for it at first, and there there's so many things to it. Like for one, the first couple of weeks, we thought this is temporary, mm -hmm. and then there was okay, it's not temporary. It's not. It's not a month long thing. This is going to last the rest of the year and so there's that yeah. depression and grief mm -hmm. over that but then also trying to make the most of it and then yes also the novelty of it sort of wearing off but you know maybe just the like depression of it all I think wore people down because yeah. coming back to live shows especially after we had that taste last year before Omicron Mm -hmm. of hey we can do this again they're like barely any new cases and then us getting hit with the spikes I think that took a lot of the wind out of our sails and so I was just at a show the other day and I thought it was funny I thought it was really good and I realized during it I'm not laughing outside out loud as much as <laughs> as I'm thinking the stuff is funny like I'm uh -huh. it's like I'm just doing a lot of nodding <laughs> and not laughing out loud and I kind of I was kind of sad about that because I wanted yeah. I wasn't I didn't feel like I was fully experiencing it do you think that's that, that's something that I've caught myself doing as well and do you think so what I have to do is be like remind myself to laugh out loud because I do actually think it's funny but it's like no we're here in person and we need to show that physical <laughs> audible support so do you do you think it was because the show was not funny in a in a lol kind of way or uh was it just your like uh pandemic conditioning of being like oh i'm watching this on my screen and i just want to go huh and then like that's <laughs> like because you're not well, laughing for another physical person i think it was the i i think it's that because when we came back before the holidays I was laughing out loud at the shows mm. and some of that was the excitement of being back mm. and that ex it's hard right now for me to be excited to be back because I'm like, okay, when's the rug going to get swept off from under us again? Yeah. And so I, it, that was keeping me from, cause I did think it was funny enough. I, you know, mm -hmm. before COVID I would have been laughing out loud. Because I was doing, I was doing a lot of physicality. I, I just wasn't actually laughing, but I was, <laughs> like I said, I was nodding or I might like do my shoulders up and put my head down and shake my head and, and sort of be like, ah, so, but, but audibly it wasn't coming out. So there's like mm -hmm. a restraint that's happening. That's like, you know, something <laughs> I can't mm -hmm. quite put my finger on. Sure. Yeah, no, I I get that. I'm yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that we don't that the other shoe doesn't drop at yeah. least for a little while. I, I I don't know. It's gonna start getting warmer. People will get to go outside more, and maybe things will be nicer. I don't know. I'm yeah. like ready to live again. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I think we yeah. all are. We all are ready to live again. And now it's sort of like I don't know. I think there's yeah. some unresolved stuff to deal with so mm -hmm. that that we need to deal with in order to feel like we can live again. Yes. Live, live laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I couldn't help but think of that TikTok of somebody. Did you see this? This this went viral. Probably. Was, I'm on TikTok a lot. <laughs> Too much. It was like honestly. a year or so ago where somebody was looking. They were like in a house where someone had live, laugh, love on just like Everywhere. all over the house. Yeah. And so they were <laughs> singing a song going, you got to live, laugh, love. A live, laugh, live, laugh, live. love. Yeah. <laughs> it sounded like a Lady song. Gaga song. <laughs> it was so absurd. <laughs> That was the same. Uh, I, I I have a little bit of a love hate relationship with TikTok. Mm, I I uh, do too. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, I, I just catch myself that, scrolling. Right. I, so that's one thing. I don't like mm-hmm. the like scrolly nature of social media, mm-hmm. and also that one is so. It's like content that I don't, I don't follow right in my face. So that's interesting. Uh so there's different sections of TikTok. Are you exactly. familiar with this? Okay. So yeah. yeah, I always tell people when they're newer to TikTok, they'll be like, oh, my TikTok feed kind of sucks. It's just people doing these <laughs> like dances. People I don't and I'm like, right. Yeah. It's like, well, you're on straight TikTok right now. And so the next time <laughs> you see any LGBTQA content come up on your feed, you need to like it so that the algorithm realizes, <laughs> oh, they need to be on gay talk because that's where all the fun <laughs> stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> um that's where all like the weird like funny like yeah. cosplay that's where all of that stuff lives so you gotta get past straight tiktok there's like a, a wall mm-hmm, you gotta mm-hmm. pummel through and then time, the algorithm but I, I, I yes I, and i heard someone too say if if you get on and you see like a 16 year old dancing scroll past that real quick yeah um, and that was but that was the first thing that anyone saw two years ago on tiktok mm-hmm. it was that was the immediate thing with some like teenager dancing. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think TikTok's for me if that's all TikTok <laughs> is. I'm a grown man and I don't want to do that. <laughs> but it was that that first stage was really tough to get through. And then mm-hmm. once friends got on there and they had content, then that's that's all that's on my TikTok now mm-hmm. for the most part. But it's still, I don't know, there's still something Every now and then something sometimes. will sneak yeah. through. I'm getting, it's interesting that you say that. So the, the algorithm changed recently and I'm getting some randos on my page where it's like, <laughs> yeah, I have three followers and this video has, like, you're one of the six people that are seeing it. I'm like, I, this is not my content. I want to see the people that I follow, please. Um, <laughs> which <laughs> right, is just an right. ongoing struggle with TikTok. Um, yeah, TikTok's an interesting social media beast all of all of them are where it's like they they try their best to and i think this has been proven where they they do their best to set their users up for failure so that they will continue to try to succeed and keep using the app so and that's why you yeah. gotta have that laissez-faire attitude of like i'm gonna post right. what i want if it pops off great um but i'm not gonna put as much effort into this as exactly so. yes and that's exactly the a conversation that I want to have because in regards to the whole trying to put out content and feeling pressure, because mm-hmm. I feel like, at least I felt this pressure. I feel like other people have too. What has happened with social media and putting content out and wanting it to do well is getting married to your career success or your professional success, mm-hmm. much in the way getting on a house team at UCB was tied to your personal or career success Mm -hmm. and it's not super healthy it's a horrible feeling to have and it really kills your creativity and your art because you should be wanting to create stuff the way you are because it's funny to you and it's your voice and you want to just cultivate your voice Mm-hmm. But when people are trying to beat the algorithm, now they're suddenly not trying to cultivate their voice. They're not trying to do something that's just funny to them. They're trying to get in front of everybody by doing something that everyone's doing for these like social media oligarchs, basically, you know, like it's 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 yeah. not something that's ultimately helpful for you. It's just you're creating content for them so they can keep selling people's information. And it's yeah. like, well, that's that's not why I got into comedy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even yeah. get into comedy for like 
I want to be rich and famous. It's like, I want to have a career, but I don't, I don't want that. Yeah. You want, I, I want to work. <laughs> right. It's always been my, my philosophy. It's like, sure. Famous would be nice, I guess, but I'll take it. Yeah. But <laughs> does it come with the me, money? Honestly. I want the money. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, the, the social media is, is a weird beast. And back when I was doing more of the acting stuff, like talking to agents and stuff, they would look at my Instagram and be like, mm, we can't really use this. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I am an artistic person and this is how I choose to express my art. And I still like show acting things on there, but they're like, we don't know how to market this. And I was like, but that's your job to figure out how to market it, right? Uh, so My least favorite phrase from people <laughs> in the industry is I don't know how to market this. It's like, then you should be fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, then this meeting is over. Um, you're not hired. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. If you don't know, if you're like, if a movie was made and it's always like a well-made movie <laughs> or well-made album and the, the powers that be will say, oh, I don't know how to market this. It's like, well, then you're real bad at your job and I don't know how you have it. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's kind of absurd to hear someone say it to an actor, you know, this it's cosplay. So it's, the cost is costumes and that's mm -hmm. pretty big in the acting world. You're showing that you can adapt to these different genres and these different styles and still be camera ready and photogenic. You're, you're photogenic. Thanks. You know, like that is, you're welcome. That is the job. That's the thing. That's such a huge thing. So it seems like a no brainer yeah, to look I at would... your Instagram and say, oh yeah, she could do this kind of role or that kind of role. And she's very adaptable. Yeah, I always thought it was really mind boggling how those conversations would go. I remember I had a conversation, I'm not going to say who they were, but it was like an agent that I was meeting with and I went in and like let them look at my resume, right? And we've we've been talking about it the whole time. I do a lot of stuff and I enjoy those things and I work hard to be good at those things. So I went in, I was like, hey, here's all the stuff I can do. And she's like, hmm it's too general. It seems like you don't know who you want to be. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's such a specific and unique voice. You clearly know who you are. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so we're not going to work well together. I'm going to yeah. go. Like I straight up. They like, must have been old or just like, oh, that's they were weird. Old. They yeah. were in their, they must have been in their 50s. They Big boomer energy for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to like bounce because this is definitely not going to work. But yeah, I, I've noticed that from several people, like representation in that in that age group. But I remember one time I went in with like pink hair. It was like light pink hair and it was so pretty and feminine. And then the agent looked at me and she's like, you look goth. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? What? <laughs> so like, yeah, you got pink hair, you look goth. And I was like, what do about... you know what goth is? <laughs> I know. I, I said that to her. I was like, goth is usually like dark hair what about like light frilly pink says goth to you so it's just like overcoming the the generational gap of like the way that the the youthful people like to express themselves these days it's funny to watch I dumbfounded <laughs> i was dumbfounded during that i couldn't believe yeah. it um yeah. fun fun industry stories <laughs> uh, yeah I've heard a lot of bad industry stories or weird <laughs> industry stories like that. Where they're it's always like, fun to how trade. do you, like you talk to someone and you're like, oh, I don't know who that is. And it's like, they're on the daily show, you know, or, you know, it's just sort of like, yeah. how do you not, how are you in the city in entertainment and you don't know someone mm -hmm. at one of the pinnacles of <laughs> the mm -hmm. comedy world on television? I don't know. Yeah. It's bizarre. I'm still kind of dumbfounded by that. Like, it was a very weird interaction. Very goth. Very goth. I don't know if I can, I don't know how to market that. <laughs> Great. Take a drink every time management says, I don't know how to market that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you might need to definitely bring alcohol to, a, <laughs> to these meetings just to like settle nerves. Well, good on you because I would have sat through that meeting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my dumb ass would have been like okay Jason maybe you can make this work and I would have I would have screwed myself over trying to make that work 
And uh, yeah. I think good on you for being aware enough of, of what your needs are and the fact that they weren't going to be able to supply you your needs. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely, like, I, I completed the meeting, but at the end of the meeting, I straight up was like, so this isn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. Thanks for your time. Um, like, I was very polite about it. And, and all of those because I'm a, I'm a good southern girl and you got to be polite <laughs> yeah. about everything but that almost makes it like hit home harder right like oh i'm gonna be so sweet while i mildly insult you <laughs> <laughs> you know i that is a thing though that i guess they call it what like new york nice they'll tell it to you like it is but they're not like putting too much salt on it <laughs> like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like well, okay it's as nice as you can be while you go about your day yeah. And then Southerners, it is like, I'm going to sugarcoat this honesty mm -hmm. and then just like get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely how I operate. Although I have noticed like I've I've gotten a bit harder in my in my New York years. Uh, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I came up at 18. I was a very different person at 18. I was so, so quiet. And I talk to people now and they're like, I would never believe that in my life, that you were that shy. I was like, no, I was uh, shy wow. trying to be a performer. <laughs> really I am out. actually surprised because I remember when I met you and you were very like intentional about greeting and welcoming us and, be, and, and so kind that oh, it thanks. stood out. So I wouldn't have thought shy. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I was uh, so, so shy and was just like the the opinions that people had around me. I was like, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll go with that just so I have friends. And then I actually when I got into the improv community, that's when I I, I truly cannot thank the improv community in New York enough, because that's when I started like growing up. I think it's like, oh, no, these are like I'm out of my little musical theater bubble. These are people with lives who don't who enjoy comedy their careers and lives might not necessarily revolve around it and I like really grew as a person when I when I got into improv comedy and became who I am today and can like actually talk and and, <laughs> and carry a conversation with people and not be uncomfortable at parties I feel like that's always a big gauge right it was like people don't <laughs> like going to parties by themselves I'm like no I'll go anywhere by myself I don't care <laughs> oh yeah I went to a, a basketball game by myself the other day yeah and you know <laughs> yeah you know still cheered it wasn't until like later I was like I wonder if that was weird for the people around me that I was like yeah <laughs> like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know but I was like I don't care I wanted to see coach K coach a game for the last time yeah. in my life yeah do things alone yeah I love doing that kind of thing. New York is the best city for that. It's so great. When I like when I moved up here, I was I felt like I wasn't experiencing a whole lot of New York because I was afraid to go places by myself. Like, oh, people are going to think that I'm weird. And then I was and then people would like cancel. And so I would I wasn't going out and doing things. And it got to the point of like, mm, I'm, I'm not going to like uh, hinge my happiness and like my life experiences on you on you not feeling like going out tonight. I'm going to go to this concert by myself and, and it's been great highly recommend living that way it's not for everybody but it's you get to see a lot more of life that way for sure for sure well this has been a great talk it's now yeah. time to create something together yeah let's do it i would like to talk through the process of cosplay like when you okay. come up with someone you mentioned earlier how you come up with someone it's usually someone you either have a crush on or want to be <laughs> I suppose yeah. it could also be both. Yeah. <laughs> and so so that's how you come up with it. But how do you then go about making it happen? Sure. So let's think about a recent one. So I specialize in armor builds, so like foam, oh. EVA oh. armor, if anyone out there knows what those are. So the way that I'll start the process is like with Commander Shepard from Mass Effect, who is like my holy grail of cosplays that I finally completed. I played through all the games. I was like, yes, I must become her. And then, and I also have a crush on her. So it was <laughs> one of those double whammy moments. Um, so I pulled a bunch of as much reference material as possible. I looked at other people's cosplays. I started gathering patterns to make these pieces. Some of them I patterned myself, but mostly my, my set is a hodgepodge of stuff. 
and then over the course of a year and a half started chipping away at it. I feel like time is the biggest thing, right? You want to make sure you give yourself a lot of time to do things the way that you want to do them. Because I did my night Elsa, my medieval night Elsa, and I did that in two and a half months, and that was really tight. I wish I had more time for that. So yeah, then you start patterning, you start cutting things out, then you glue them together and you, and you paint it and you put on attachments and then voila, maybe a year and a half later, you've got, you've got something, <laughs> but you could also do it in a smaller amount of time. With, with the Commander Shepard thing, something that's nice that like video games and TV, certain TV shows have started doing are releasing character turnarounds with their game content. So The Last of Us did this where you could unlock a game model and turn it all 360 degrees, any direction, zoom in, really get it in oh. there. So if anyone for, out there... That was done for cosplayers. I like to think so, but it was probably just <laughs> so people could like have a collectible. But it, uh, I, the more companies that can do that and give those like the sorts of information for cosplayers because if, if you release something now you got to assume that someone's going to want to dress up as that um mm -hmm. so thinking about how to make that as easy as possible and then with the commander shepherd thing so i finished commander shepherd in early october of 2021 and then in november of that same year bioware finally released character turnarounds for all of the all of their characters i'm like you gotta be kidding me i did all of this <laughs> research on my own and then you just drop this willy-nilly how dare you but it is very useful uh so yeah just and I truly like giving yourself as much time as possible and being okay with like, I just did Vi from Arcane a week and a half ago and I wanted to do her for convention sooner in the year, but she wasn't done. And I was like, you know what? Mm. I'm not going to crunch on this. I'm not going to stay up until 3am working on this. Cause it's, it won't be, it'll be rushed and it won't be too, it won't be to my satisfaction of how I want this done. So we're going to give ourselves more time and be okay with, God forbid, re-wearing something that I've already made. So yeah, is there a character that you would love to cosplay? I don't, I've never really thought about if I would cosplay yeah. what it would be. So one thing, when I first started hearing about cosplay, I heard that there would be people who'd be really sticklers, like, well, you're not tall enough, your hair, mm -hmm. or your nose, and all this kind of stuff. And it's Screw like, those guys. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, are you auditioning people at Disney? Like, chill out. Mm -hmm. it's, it's more fun. <laughs> so I, I think in my head, I was like, well, who's who's a black guy who looks like me? And they're not a ton <laughs> in the <laughs> video game world or even like a movie sense. Like, yeah. as an 80s kid, like, my immediate thought is like, Indiana Jones, but mm -hmm. even then it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Do it. It's, it. you know, I will say I, I see a lot of that kind of stuff, like cosplayers of color uh, mm -hmm. do have it a little harder but what's what i've noticed in the community recently is that there's no tolerance for people being like like shitty about it right like people will come to like will will defend and ah. it's it's pretty nice to see that change and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. even people will be like i mean i've gotten co comments before of like oh you, you don't have the right body type for that character and it's like shut up <laughs> i'm gonna do it uh <laughs> right. i i like to think of cosplays now not so much of uh because i used to i used to really try my best to be as screen accurate as possible and i don't mm -hmm. do that anymore now i think of cosplay as creating like your own fan fiction version of this character that right. you are self-inserting in in a way so it allows you to be a little uh kinder to yourself and then yeah if there is any weird criticism out there being like, mm, this is my version, um, sorry. Well, yeah, uh, and I, I, I feel like it. that's a, a natural progression that you look at now that we have another Batman uh, mm -hmm. in, the, in the film industry. <laughs> There's so many different ways of doing the bat suit, for mm -hmm. instance. So if someone is doing cosplay, I think it's kind of cool that they can give themselves a challenge yeah. to say, okay, how would I do this character? Like, what would I like to see? 
as this character and and yeah. gives you an opportunity to be creative and artistic and 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 express yourself mm-hmm. through that character. I think that's cool. Yeah. Uh, what what's great about the cosplay community is if you create something no matter like the quality of it, like you can go buy your costume if you want. I do that all the time and it's fine. Uh, as long as you're like passionate about what you're cosplaying, there will 100% be people there hyping you up because you're psyched about a character. And that's that's really what it's about. Like sure, the craftsmanship is great and the photos are great, but it's really about like having fun, dressing Mm -hmm. up as this character to whatever degree that you are able to well there it is thanks so much for being (laughs) on the podcast tori thanks for having me this is so fun to like talk shop for a little while (laughs) i sure hope you learned something from hearing us talk a little shop you can follow her on instagram twitter and tiktok at worldwide blonde she also has an itch.io page, worldwideblonde.itch.io, and she's part of a D&D podcast called Bad Guys and B-Sides, which includes a previous guest, Aaron Gold, so check that out. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod, and also check me out on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Also, subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a PayPal and a Patreon. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 